Best Book Bits podcast brings you Bob Burge, international best-selling author and co-author of the Go-Giver book series, Hall of Fame speaker, sales and referral authority. Bob, thanks for being on the show. Hey, it's my pleasure, Michael. Great to be with you. No worries. Now, for my audience who uh, don't know you, tell us a little bit about sort of your story and your journey uh, so far of um, how you came to be where you are today. Uh, began as broadcaster, first in radio and then television. Uh, wasn't particularly good at that, and it, it wasn't long before I graduated into sales. Uh, the challenge was that I knew nothing about sales on a, on a formal level, and the company where I was working, uh, I'm not sure they did either because we had no training. <laughs> so I was sort of on my own, and I floundered for, for the first, I guess, few months or so until I uh, found a couple of books on selling. This is almost 40 years ago, and at that time, they weren't as prevalent as they are now. So I just happened to be in the bookstore looking for something, and uh, I, I saw a couple of great, well, I didn't know they were great books, but they turned out to be great, life-changing books for me. One was by Zig Ziglar, the other was by Tom Hopkins. And I studied the books, and I my sales began almost right away, taking off and doing great. So I began really studying sales and really personal development, because that's what so much of it is. Success is building ourselves on the inside first, and then it manifests itself outwardly. And um, as I grew in my sales career, I, I ended up being sales manager of another company and began teaching others what was working for me. And uh, one thing led to another, and so I began speaking on the topic for different companies and so forth. And I've been doing that now for a little more than 30 years, I think. Yeah, well, awesome. Yeah, take us back. Whereabouts uh, did you grow up uh, in, your younger, in your younger years? Yeah, I, I grew up in Massachusetts in the northeastern United States, cold weather. So uh, I always say I uh, grew up in Massachusetts, but got down to Florida as fast as I could because it's nice and sunny and warm down here. And when we're not having hurricanes, it's just a great place to live. It may not be paradise, but it's close enough. Yeah, perfect. And uh, what made you get into broadcasting? You said that was your first sort of gig. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, I was athletic as a kid, and, and I I wanted to uh, I wanted to either be a professional athlete, which I wasn't good enough to be, uh, or a broadcaster, a sportscaster, which I thought I was good enough to be, but I really wasn't. But uh, but it was something I enjoyed, and it you know worked out well because. Uh, where I worked at, both in, in radio and then television, they were small stations. And at a small station, you've got to know how to do everything. You learn pretty much how to do every aspect of putting together a story and a broadcast. So that really helped me as I was uh, in my speaking career, as I would, in, in writing books, as I would do interviews and do a lot of media. It, it helped me to really understand the medium itself. So, you know, everything for a purpose. Yeah, so the speaking career came out of being a broadcaster and um, I know really you've been- being a salesperson, I think, more than anything. Okay, <laughs> yeah, yeah, got it, no problem at all. When did you write your first book? Tell us about that, that journey and how did that come to be? What, what motivated you to sort of sit down and say, hey, I'm going to put all my thoughts together and, and write my first book? Well, in the early 90s, I guess it was, early to mid 90s, uh, you know, I'd been speaking for a few years and I'd had a, uh, this is how long ago it was, a cassette tape album, <laughs> right? Because back then that's what they were. They were cassette tapes. It's how long ago. And uh, 
And I, you know, I'd receive a fee from stage and I'd also sell tapes. So I was, you know, I was making a living from it. I was starting within a few years. I was, I had a, a successful and fairly profitable speaking business. And, uh, but I was really ready to take it to that next level. And I was at a, a National Speakers Association meeting and a, a couple of the older, uh, wiser, more learned speakers just said to me, you know, Berg, you really should write a book on your topic because it's going to help position you in the marketplace better. You're going to be able to get higher fees. You'll be more desirable, more easily booked. You can use, utilize it as a, and, uh, and I did, I, you know, I thought that was good advice. So, so the first book, which was called Endless Referrals, the subtitle was Network Your Everyday Contacts into Sale, which was really a book on, on, on networking and earning referrals. And, you know, back then, again, this is a long time ago. This was back in the day where there probably, there were probably three books out there on the topic of networking. And one of them was mine that, you know, now there's hundreds of books on networking and most of them are wonderful. I, I read as many of them as I can. And I, I learned something from all of them, but back then, you know, it was, it just wasn't as, as prevalent. Uh, and uh, so really, so that first book was utilitarian. It was simply because it was a positioning tool for me. Uh, I think every book I wrote after that was because I felt I had a message I wanted to share. And yeah. The Go-Giver came about because uh, the Endless Referrals, which was a how-to book, uh, really on, on helping entrepreneurs and salespeople who knew they had a great product or service, they knew it brought lots of value to to their to their their customers and clients, but they they may not have been comfortable or confident in going out into their local communities and building the kinds of relationships that would cause people to want to do business with them directly and or through referrals. So endless referrals was a how-to book in that regard. But I'd always read business parables and always enjoyed them because, as you know, stories kind of connect on, on a deeper level with people and more of a heart-to-heart level. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if we could take the basic premise of endless referrals, which is that all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust, which that's been sort of my signature statement, if you will, for over 30 years, uh, if we could take that and put that into a parable. And so... I kind of asked myself, well, so what is the, you know, what is the essence of that entrepreneur or salesperson who's able to quickly and sustainably create those relationships? And it's that they're givers. You know, they're always they're always focused on giving value to to others. So, you know, we called it the go-giver. And But the best thing I did for that book was asking John David Mann, who uh, was the editor-in-chief of a magazine I used to write for. I used to submit a, a monthly article to, to his magazine. Uh, and I, he had, at the time, he wasn't as well-known as he is now. But back then, he was still very busy. But he was very well-known in his niche as a brilliant, brilliant writer, right? And, and so not many people knew him. But fortunately, I did. And I asked John if he, you know, would listen to this idea I had about a, a book, about a parable based on the endless referrals concepts and so forth. And uh, fortunately, he said yes. And then, you know, we ended up working on it. And we did we did go through 25 rejections from New York publishing houses. Um, but finally, we found the, per- the perfect uh, publishing partner, which was Portfolio, a business book division of Penguin Random House. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, it's talk about obviously uh, putting together the right team and partnership, but putting yeah. yourself into positions where you can have a, a partner that reflects your values as well. So, yeah, congratulations on that. I want to segue back to your first book, Endless Referrals. I know you did it back in 1994 and pre-internet days, mind you, as well. Right. Um, yeah. 
if, do the same principles still apply? Uh, 2021, fast forward with the internet, uh, are we still, do those principles apply or how have you sort of changed your approach with uh, referrals? Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a great question. The principles always apply. And that, that's why they're principles. You know, universal laws, principles, they, they're the same. Always have been, are now, I'm sure always will be. Uh, now, strategies change, tactics change, techniques change. Sure, uh, the internet has allowed us access uh, to people we may never have had the opportunity to, you know, to have uh, have access to and so forth. But, you know, it's still all about creating that relationship. It's still all about the know, like, and trust. You know, I, I often say that, you know, uh, we were talking about, you know, all things being equal, right? Uh, people do business with refer business to not computers, <laughs> right? Not social media platforms, but the people who are behind them. So sure, while there's many now different ways to be able to relate to, connect with, add value to others as you're building that relationship, it's still, you know, it, it's still the principles still apply. Yeah. Um, how did you become a Hall of Fame speaker? What's, um, how does one become a Hall of Fame speaker? Did someone have to put in 30 years like yourself? Or? <laughs> uh, no, there's people who've done it in a lot less time. You know, with me, I, I kind of joked that it was more of a lifetime achievement award than it was anything spectacular that I did. Because, you know, there's people who maybe have been in the business 5, 10, 15 years who, um, who, uh, you know, who, who got that. I think I was in 29, I think mine was 29. So really 30 years it, it, it took me, uh, until finally I, I was awarded that, which I, I, you know, I didn't know until the, the process, you know, where they tell you you've been nominated and, and, and so forth. But before then, I, you know, why I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about anyone nominating me. I didn't, I hadn't, I didn't, I don't think done particularly anything special in terms of the speaking world you know, yeah. over the past few years. So it was really, that's why I say it was more of a lifetime achievement as opposed to me doing anything, you know, specific yeah. uh, in the business. You must have had some amazing experiences being on stage with some of the greats. Uh, what are some of your stories? Or um, I know you mentioned Tom Hopkins before and, and Zig Ziglar, some of my mentors. I know I'm, I'm, I'm a bit younger than yourself, but still I've read all their books and done all their summaries Absolutely. as well. So Those are fantastic mentors. guys. Absolutely. So. We can find uh, tell us about some stories yeah. and, and some people well, that you shared the stage with. Yeah, yeah you know, I, and I've shared the stage with Zig and, and with Tom. And uh, I'll tell you what's really interesting. Well, I don't know if you know that Zig, before he passed, um, he had had a, a, a very serious head injury. And so the last couple of years when he spoke, well, he lost pretty much all his short-term memory. So when he would speak the last couple of years, his um, daughter, Julie, or his son, Tom, would appear on stage with him. And they would sort of ask him questions and they'd keep him on track when he'd, you know, be repeating himself and so forth. I mean, it was such a beautiful thing to watch because, you know, he handled himself with such dignity and they treated him with such respect and kindness. And it was really, it was a, it was really a beautiful thing to see. Um, the, I think it was maybe the second or third year after the Go-Giver came out and we wanted to award Zig the uh, Lifetime Go-Giver Achievement Award uh, because he totally, he certainly embodied, you know, that. And so I used to have a, um, an event that we'd hold yearly. And so we invited Zig to uh, speak on stage and Zig uh, came on stage with his, uh, his wife, Mrs. Ziegler, the redhead. Uh, and his son, Tom. 
And so, you know, we presented him the award. But uh, another person on stage who was part of the Ziegler organization, Howard Partridge, had, had uh, and we had set this up beforehand, he asked me, uh, he was familiar with a, a story I would uh, tell, we have this on my, my LinkedIn page, I think, uh, where I, I imitated Zig from stage. You know, I listened to his, his back then tapes so many times when I first got into sales, I could do his whole series, you know, and I can do his voice. And so they had me on, on stage. I was doing a, a, I did a segment from Zig's, one of Zig's tapes on stage in front of Zig. And even though, you know, again, his memory wasn't really quite there, he knew what was going on and he understood what I was doing. And you could tell he really enjoyed it. And, you know, his son, Tom and Mrs. Ziegler, you know, certainly did. And that was one of the greatest experiences I've had. Just one of the biggest honors I've had to actually be on stage with the master himself, Mr. Zig Ziegler, and getting to imitate him right in front of him. Yeah, wow, that would have been an amazing experience. Uh, thanks for sharing that story. Um, did you ever know Jim Rohn back in the day? Yeah, I appeared with Jim a couple of times. In fact, we were just talking about him on a clubhouse se uh, session this morning because Kyle Wilson, who was his business partner for, I think, the last 25 years or so of Jim's life and really is the one who brought Jim back into the, the limelight. Uh, it was sort of a special program on, on Jim this morning. And uh, Kyle was sharing a bunch of stories, and I was in the audience, and they they pulled me up to you know to uh, give a couple of you know my experiences with Jim. So so I appeared with Jim on a special. Um, uh, this is back in the early two thousands. They had a uh, a big event with let's see, was Jim Rome was there. Uh, um, uh, Tony Jerry, Zig Ziglar, Charlie Tremendous Jones, Jeffrey Gittimer, uh, myself. Uh, a few others, and I'm just not thinking of all the names, but it was a, you know, a, a massive program over the course of three days. And it was just a joy to, you know, watch Jim speak as it always is. And just to be able to be on a panel with him and with Charlie Jones and with Gittimer and, you know, just some of my real heroes and people who I've just enjoyed and learned so much from uh, over the years. And then I, I, I spoke with Jim at another conference, uh, for a, a, which was for a, a private company. And so, um, yeah, and Jim was such a wise, wise, wise man and a very gentle man and just very, you know, he was, you know, you, you look at him and Zig Ziglar on stage and they're kind of diametric opposites, right? Where Jim sort of stands at the, the lectern and just talks in a very calm, and you know, he's just Jim Rohn, and he gives just, you know, gems and gems and gems. And then there's Zig, who's all over the place and is on one knee, and then he's over here, and he's a, and gives gem after gem after gem after gem, right? So, you know, you, you, get to, you get different styles, and yet you see these masters at work, and you're just like, wow, how could people- What's your, what's your, style, what's your style, Bob? Are you a bit of both? I'm a, I'm, I'm a probably a bit more all, all over the place type. Yeah. Uh, just not as good at, at it as Zig. <laughs> yeah. Zig's in a whole other cat, you know, a whole other stratosphere. But yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm too hyper to, uh, to just stand at the, at the lectern. Yeah, definitely. Now we could talk about obviously that for years, but now you've been named one of the most uh, influential leaders. Uh, now in your opinion, what makes a great leader and some uh, great qualities that leaders possess? I think, you know, I think really, really um, good leaders have very much a focus on those they're leading. It's, it's not about them. 
you know, it's really about the others. I think that's the biggest thing. And I think you see that, you know, in Jim Collins' book, uh, if, you, if uh, you're familiar with that, it was uh, called Good to Great. And it was really one of the best books on leadership I've ever read in my life. And one of the, the things he talked about was the difference between level four leaders and level five leaders. Now, both were great, okay? As far as talent goes, uh, both of them, there, there was no, no significant difference, right? probably no difference at all in terms of, of the talent of the leader. Yep. What was different was that with the level four leader, it was about them. You know, they were the celebrity. You know, they, it was about them and they got the credit and it was, you know, they made the big, you know, with the level five leader, it was all about those they were leading. It was making it about them. Uh, it was making sure they got the credit while the level five leader took the responsibility or the, the blame when things went wrong. It was about putting those they lead into the spotlight. It was about advancing those they lead and the organization. So I think that's really the, the biggest thing about a, a really effective leader. You know that their interest is in others. I always say, you know, be, be self-motivated, but other focused. Yeah, perfect. Yeah, well, well said. Um, I'm going to change gears a little bit. Now, you're an advocate, supporter, and defender of the free enterprise system. You know, what, what does this mean to the average person? Can you talk a little bit about that, the free enterprise system? Well, unfortunately, to the average person, it's, it's, it's much more confusing than it should be because it's really very simple. Uh, free enterprise or, or capitalism really is just an expression of liberty an expression of freedom. Liberty can be defined as, you know, the, uh, uh, the right to live one's life however and in whatever way they see fit in their pursuit of happiness, providing, of course, that they don't infringe upon the rights of anyone else to do the same, okay? Capitalism or free markets is simply the economic expression of such. Okay. So it means that uh, so long as, as this business is not committing force or fraud, which is an infringement upon the rights of others, they uh, have the right to operate their business as they see fit and people have the right to do business with them or not do business with them. Okay. So when we have that kind of, of uh, environment, and we never have, no country ever has totally. Okay, but to the degree that a country comes closer, cl you know, to that, that's the degree that the masses of people are much better off. They're healthier. They live longer. They have more in order to be able to fulfill their their goals and their values. Uh, the poor in a free market based environment is much better off than the poor and often even middle class in less free you know, environments. Uh, unfortunately, many people, at least here in the States, uh, they confuse free market capitalism with something called cronyism or corporatism. And that is where big organizations, whether it's big industries or other special interests, they basically, through their lobbyists, they buy special favors, rules and regulations from politicians. It's really a horrible game that's played. And uh, it, it's unfair. It makes it unfair. It's not free market, okay? And yet people think that's what 
capitalism is, or that's what free markets are. It's, of course, it's just the opposite of such. That confusion causes people to think capitalism or free markets don't work. They're unfair. No, free markets, capitalism is the most fair because it means, remember, in a free market-based economy, no one has to buy from anyone. No one has to do business with anyone else. No one has to buy. The only way someone will buy from you in a free market-based economy is if they feel that they will be better off by doing so than by do, not doing so. Yeah. What cronyism does is it stifles competition. In a free market, since anyone can compete, that's what makes it so that consumers have many, many, many more choices. It's actually not more, much more complicated than that. Yeah, yeah. But thanks for thanks for sharing. I know I, I um, I've been following your stuff for a while, and I, and I read about that, so I wasn't too sure uh, what you meant uh, when you said about the free enterprise system. But thank you for clearing that up. Now, right, um, I've got a dog. I know you're an animal lover. You're um, you've served on some fantastic on the board of the animal adoption clinic. What's what's the story behind uh, uh, behind this? I've always, always loved, loved animals. We grew up with, with dogs, always had more than one dog at a time. Um, and I just have always loved animals. Now I, I lost, unfortunately, my cat that I had for quite a while. And so now we foster uh, kittens that have been rescued until we find forever homes for them and so forth. But uh, dogs, cats, I love all animals. Um, uh you know, any, any animal to me, they, their hearts are pure. They, there's no evil in them. They do what they do often out of instinct. And at the same time, they have feelings and they know who loves them and they know who, and it, it just, uh, it really bothers me the, the way that human beings, not all of course, but how many human beings treat animals. Uh, I think it's a, 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 I think it's a human crime, you know, and I just uh, feel very strongly about that, that we need to respect, you know, we need to respect all living creatures to the degree that we can and, and live our lives that way. Yeah, great. Well, yeah, thank you for your work on that. I'm an animal lover myself, so uh, that's great. Now, you're, I know you've been around and we talked about Jim Rohn, Zig Ziglar, but you're one of the few who's actually transitioned really, really great online and you've got some amazing courses out there and uh, an amazing website. Um, talk about some of your courses and digital products that you, uh, that you do at the moment. Well, we have, and the most exciting thing to me right now, and I just enjoy it so much personally, is that we have a, a membership community called the Go-Giver Success Alliance, where we meet uh, once a week on Zoom for an hour. And these are, you know, some very, very successful people. And we call it a, a mentorship community, but it's not that I'm the mentor. I'm, I'm the guide maybe, but I'm not the mentor. We've got so many successful people, we all mentor each other. And the discussion that goes on, the learning, the discussing, the strategizing, the collaborating, and just really the great relationship building is so very inspiring. And then during the week, we you know have different that we put things we post within the group. It's on the Mighty Networks, uh, so it's a it's not a Facebook or a or anything like that. It's actually it's a whole private platform. But that is just a, a blast. And uh, and then we have some courses such as the Endless Referrals, the Go Giveaway. Uh, nine and a half hour uh, online course. And we have one on selling the go giver way, which is about an hour and 45 minutes. So uh, yeah, we enjoy putting those together. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. And for anyone uh, that wants to check them out, where, where can they find that? What's the website they can um, check that out? Yeah. Berg, B-U-R-G.com. And if they, they scroll down 
they'll see a coffee shop. Uh, it looks like a few uh, people at a coffee shop, which, of course, if you've read the book, The Go-Giver, you know it's Rachel's famous coffee. Uh, yeah. But if they haven't read the book, that wouldn't mean anything. So, But click on, on that photo, you know, on that graphic, and it will take you to the Go-Giver Success Alliance uh, page. And then there's others that say, work with Bob, and they can click on that, and it will open up a whole bunch of resources. Yeah, great. And uh, you're also a podcaster yourself. You've got a couple hundred episodes out there. When did you start to podcast it? Had to be about five years ago, and I've actually just stopped doing it. So we're keeping the archives up forever. Um, Okay. Yeah, so we're keeping that up, but uh, it just you know something had to go in terms of time, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's and and you know I, I started to just not I love all the guests that I've had and love, but I, it's a lot of work doing a podcast. As you know, it's a lot of work yeah. doing a podcast, yeah. and so it was one of those things that was bringing me less enjoyment based on all the time I had to put into it and based on other things that I kind of needed and wanted to be doing. And so we, we've stopped doing that now. But the, as you said, there's a couple hundred episodes up there or, or whatever there are. And, and uh, so plenty in the archives for people who want to binge uh, listen to them. Any, um, any highlights or any sort of one story or one guess that stands out uh, for yourself? Uh, you know, there were so many with such inspiring stories. I think of Bobby Herrera, who's a great leader, has a, a, a big uh, uh, company now, but he... He came over from, I think his, his dad actually was a ranchero uh, from Mexico who came over uh, the state, to, to the, the States and, and uh, it took him you know, years to get the opportunity to come in and do horrible work, you know, work that you just would not want to do. But he so wanted to create a, a better life for his family. And Bobby and his brothers and sisters you know, grew up very poor, struggling. Uh, so many great life lessons that he learned, but so many struggles. Uh, in fact, his book is called The Gift of Struggle. And, uh, and Bobby now has a, you know, again, magnificent, very, very large company, a professional employment uh, company. And, you know, that to me was just such a, a wonderful uh wonderful conversation because I just got to hear. And then, you know, you hear about someone for like Lisa Copeland who um, began an automobile dealership because she, she was a very successful mortgage uh, banker, but she, she went in to buy a car and she was treated horribly by the salesperson, very sexist. And she said, you know, no woman should ever have to go through this when buying a car. So she started a car dealership and she became the biggest Alfa Romeo dealer in North America. Award-winning, the top one, right? And so, you know, you, 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 you talk to these people and you say, wow, you know, it's just so inspiring to see what they've done and why they did it. Yeah, that's great. Now, looking behind you, I know you've got uh, an amazing uh, library, and I'm sure you've read hundreds of books over your you career. Now, you have a great library. I'm looking at it back there. That's wonderful. Oh, I've, I've got yeah, I've got 700 book summaries online that uh, I've done video and audio and written for with the, the world's largest category. But that, that's okay. But I want to talk about sort of if you were to give advice to sort of someone in their early 20s in their sales career, what are some of the the maybe one, two, or top three sales books you would recommend from the past? Um, that you would recommend for them to read the basics and principles? Oh, I know I've got a couple. I'd love to hear your top three. Well, you know, I mean, I, I, I think books such as Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People is always something that's, you know, everyone and anyone should should have in their library and read over and over again. Um, 
books like Think and Grow Rich and, and you know, The Magic of Thinking Big and The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles and yeah, As a Man Thinketh. And you've got, you know, so many wonderful, magnificent books like that in terms of sales. You know, there's Zig's books and Tom's books. One book that most people don't know about, which is... Um, it's a magnificent book. It was actually written in, 19, in the 1960s by a, a hero of mine by the name of Harry Brown, uh, B-R-O-W-N-E. And it was not meant to, he, he, by the way, published a number of New York Times bestselling books on economics, on politics, on philosophy and so forth. But this one was not meant to be published. These were on a couple of hard drives he had. It's when he was training a sales team. And after he passed uh, in around, two th uh, around 2006, I think it was, his wife, Pamela, his widow, she found the two hard drives with these two uh, manuscripts, short manuscripts. And one was on, on, P on um, understanding human nature and the other was on relating this understanding of human nature to sales. And so she told someone about this, who told someone about it, who told someone who was a, an independent publisher or direct response marketer, and they, they published it under the title, uh, The Secret of Selling Anything. And by the way, Harry, and they named it that, I guess, because in, uh, Harry said in one part of the book, the secret of selling anything need not be a secret. The secret of selling anything is find out what the other person wants and help them to get it. Right. Yeah. But uh, but the book to me is, is two books in one. One, again, it's just an absolute beautiful treatise on understanding and respecting human nature. OK, dealing in truths, not not trying to to make people something they aren't, but but respecting what is and then going from there and making the situation more positive for everyone involved. And then that second part was, was, was sales. And it was to me, one of the just best little kind of booklets because they were, again, it's like two booklets in one book, but on, on sales, on how to sell. And if you just, and again, it's from the sixties, little outdated in terms of some of the terminology, but wow, the principles are just absolutely, uh, uh, brilliant on my blog at uh, berg.com slash blog. I did a review on on his book. And uh, if anyone would like to read it, they can just go to berg.com slash blog and then put in in the search uh, either Harry Brown, B-R-O-W-N-E, or The Secret of Selling, and it will take right you know, the person right to that. Uh, yeah, perfect. I'll, put it, I'll put it in the, uh, in the show yeah. notes as well. And um, I know you've got to run. So before we wrap up, I, I do want to ask uh, you one question. I ask all my guests this at the end. If you could host a dinner party with three people, famous from the past, uh, alive or dead, who would they be and what would you serve them? Uh, it would be, uh, one would be Benjamin Franklin, one of the United States founding fathers. Yep. Uh, one would be Booker T. Washington, um, who uh, was just an absolute wonderful teacher and mentor. And uh, he was actually a former slave who, who became the founder of Tuskegee University and a magnificent human being. Uh, let's see, another one. Who would I have? Let's see. Oh dear, it's so hard to to think, you know, on the because there's so many who I would love to uh, love to have. Uh, maybe one of the Stoics, <laughs> yeah. Mark, probably Marcus Aurelius. Oh, that would be good. 
Yeah. And what would you uh, what would you serve them? Would you take them out, or would you host them and and uh, feed them yourself? Well, I'd host them. I'd hope they'd enjoy the meal because it would be something vegan. Okay, perfect. That would be a great <laughs> conversation. Uh, Benjamin Franklin, Booker T. Washington, and Marcus, Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. Bob, I appreciate you uh, coming on the show and taking your time out of your busy schedule as well. But uh, if there was one last message you would leave my audience, what, what would that be? Yeah, I think it has to do, I think it's a summation of something a mentor of mine told me, uh, gosh, probably 40 years ago, as soon after I had gotten in sales. And he had said to me, um, you know, Berg, if you want to make a lot of money in sales, he said, don't have making money as your target. Your target is serving others. When you hit the target, he said, you'll get a reward and that reward will come in the form of money. But always remember that money is simply the reward for hitting the target. It isn't the target itself. Your target is serving others. And I think that's such a very important way to approach sales. Perfect. Bob, thank you very much for being on the Best Book Bits podcast. And where can people find you online? I know you've got the the best website name in the world, B-U-R-G.com. Again, that's one of those blessings from being old. You kind of get in early on those things. No, no worries. Well, enjoy the rest of your day. And yeah, thanks for sharing some stories. Uh, To my audience, go follow this man, buy his books, check out his courses, join his academy. He's got a lot of great things online. Um, Have a great day. Take care. See you soon. Okay.